American United has a convenient branch right at the VA Medical Center, along with eight other locations across Utah. As a member, our veterans get the best rates on loans and savings products. Learn more at amucu.org. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, we've got Josh Darkin. What what can we do to help our user base to be more successful with their businesses? What are the problems that they face, the challenges that they face, um, and how can we solve them? This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview rocket scientists, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. If you like what you hear, we're also going to be releasing exclusive bonus materials like PDF checklists, reports, and presentations, but only for members of the collective. If you're interested in those, as of this recording, you can still join for free on the Ideation Collective website, which is iCollective.co slash free. Again, iCollective.co slash free. Also, before getting rolling, we want to invite you to consider helping the charity our founders started called Child Rescue. We work to combat child sex trafficking in the United States and abroad. One of our foreign projects we're working on right now is helping to build an aftercare orphanage in Cusco, Peru. To learn more about that, please come to the Child Rescue section on our website, iCollective.co slash Child Rescue. So with that out of the way, let's get to the interview. Josh, thanks for being on the show. Hey, happy to be here. So... Uh, Bigger Pockets is pretty successful organization, uh, but only more impressive when people find out it's bootstrapped. At least it was to me. You know, you think about these things: two million forum posts, top real estate uh, podcast on iTunes, top ten business podcast. Um, you got these top books on Amazon. All these things. Um, didn't you tell me of one point three million unique monthly visitors? Yes, sir. This is kind of awesome for somebody who didn't just buy those with marketing budget. Um, Correct. Can, can we can we talk about that process? Sure. I just convinced 1.3 million of my uh, best friends to come and join. <laughs> it's great for you popular <laughs> people. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and we're going to talk about uh, paying the price and getting through the struggles to get here. Um, but when when you think about this um, idea of you know you've built this company. Um, you've got your 20-something staff already, and unlike the vast majority of tech organizations out there, you guys are actually profitable. Um, thinking about the advice that maybe somebody who's starting something somewhat related, um, what advice would you have about getting like these, these uniques, these uh, people who are really interested in what you're doing? It's not just the marketing game. Sure. I mean, so... Yeah, mind you, we are what we are today after 11 and a half years of struggle. Um, So, you know, very, very quickly, you know, the the business at first was just pretty much me running this hobby site. The hobby site grew and grew because there was this idea behind it, which was, you know, how do we help change people's lives? How do we help make people successful in real estate um, without them having to pay a fortune to some get rich quick guy to one of those late night TV people, um, which was the only way that you can go in the early, you know, when, when we started, there was really no way to learn the business outside of that. And, and so, uh, I wasn't into it. I didn't buy into that model and didn't trust that model and said, there's gotta be a different way, a better way. And, and, and I, I, you know, over the next bunch of years, while I'm kind of building this up, this lifestyle business to kind of help me be successful and help other people be successful. Mind you, I needed the site for myself because I was making all these mistakes in my own real estate and needed a place to turn to. Um, I got to uh, this point where this lifestyle business had to transform. And I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, more, uh, you know, through all the struggles and whatnot and, and become an actual company. But, um, you know, to the point on attracting people, uh, that didn't really happen until like year seven of, of 
this company, which was me and my underwear in, in my living room and, you know, a, a, a contract developer that I, I w- was working with. And, and so um, that first hire came at a point where uh, Bigger Pockets has been around, we're successful, you know, we've got a great community that was kind of addicted to the site. Um, we, we were changing people's lives, helping them find success in their own real estate. And, and so we had something that we could sell, right? There was an idea behind Bigger Pockets, which was this is a platform that can change people's lives. This is a platform that could do something for people. That made it a lot easier for me to attract people than say, hey, you've got, and I'm not going to pick on the guys with bakeries, but like you got a bakery. Like how do you inspire, how does a bakery inspire people? A little bit harder, right? Um, unless there's this vision of I'm going to build bakeries in every neck of the country that's going to help do X, Y, and Z to change people's percent to charity or something. Having a cause kind of built into the business model uh, makes it very attractive and I think a lot easier to to, to get people. Um, but in the early days, I mean, my first non-contract employee was a success story from within our community. Uh, he was a guy who... He's the co-host of, of our podcast, Brandon Turner. Uh, he had built up this real estate portfolio. And in his own right, at the time of hire, he was writing for me as just uh, you know a volunteer writer on our blog. And uh, he was successful in that he didn't actually need a job. He had built enough of a real estate portfolio uh, through, through just using bigger pockets where he didn't really need to work. And he wanted to work because bigger pockets had transformed his life. And so that was an easy sell. Getting getting that guy on board was really easy because uh, he, you know, he loved believer, the business. Huh? Yeah, a true believer. And and um, I, I'd say, you know, from there, the next hires, you know, I, I felt like it was important to find people who also believed in it, who um, – and we always look at that, you know, is this hire somebody who gets it, who agrees with the mission? I, I don't ever want to hire somebody – at some point, we'll have to, I believe, but until we really have to, um, I don't ever want to hire anybody who do, who's not who doesn't get it, who doesn't buy into it. Um, they don't have to be a user, they don't have to be a success story, but at least they buy into the idea of what we're doing um, and and get and and are excited about why it's important. Um, I think that, in its own right, helps you attract people who are there to move the needle. Versus people who are there to just, you know, clock in and clock out. And, and tell me what you think that does as far as attracting people to the forums, to the, the educational material, to have the staff at the company showing up with that kind of attitude. You know, it's a good question. I, I don't know that they necessarily care too much, but I, it, it certainly doesn't hurt. I mean, you know, when... Whether you you know end up in an interaction with our support team or 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 our marketing department or or you know somebody else, I mean we get it. We're all in alignment on what this thing is doing to to um, help you know people be successful in real estate. And I, I don't know. I think there's something cool about it. People 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 want to be inspired. People want to buy into something. You know, the world is a could be an ugly and dark place um, if you don't have something that you're shooting for. You know, there's a, particularly now, obviously, I'm not going to get into politics, but there's so many people that are just unhappy. And so, um, how do you, how do you find a way to get people excited and motivated? And what drives them? If you can tap into that in your small business or big large business, um, you're going to attract uh, much better talent, or at least more inspired talent, um, you know, and frankly, they're going to work harder. They're going to work more inspired than somebody who's just coming in for the paycheck. Sure. Um, and imagine, uh, it makes it, it makes it nicer to show up and be around those people all day at, at work. Yeah. We like to, we like to talk shop. We talk real estate. I mean, yeah, that's also a part of the culture, right? I mean, what kind of culture do you want? What are you trying to create? I mean, we've got an environment here that's just exceptionally collaborative, regardless of department. Um, you know, we, we look for people who are, who want to have fun, who are, you know, willing to joke around, 
you know, in the middle of the day, just kind of bust into like a Mario Kart war or, or, you know, play some boggle. I mean, we're, you know, we like people who are adventurous, who are creative, who, who are just, you know, who've got stuff going on in their world because I don't know. I mean, you, you bring together cool people and, and not always, you know, you, you can do a lot and creative. I mean, we're, we're all about folks who are just creative, um, which is very exciting. Sure. So um, a lot of people pay a lot of lip service to building community. There's a lot of, especially like Fortune 500, you know, I, I've uh, assisted some marketing companies who worked with some very large organizations and there's a lot of buzzwords about community engagement. Yep. And, and, you know, a lot of times it feels like there's a lot of vanity metrics that get thrown around and not a lot of real engagement. Correct. Um, what do you attribute uh, your success to where you've got like such a legitimate community? Um, so to your point on the, uh, you know, the fluffy metrics and things like that. Yeah. Everybody's got a community these days. It's like, you know, like you said, it's a, it's a total buzzword. I don't really, you know, I, I believe a community happens when an organization, um, or person or group or whatever it is, uh, has a life of its own. So it's not just like, hey, I've got a we XYZ Corp have a Facebook page. Well, you don't have a community. <laughs> you know, XYZ Corp has a, a group on Facebook or some other place. You know, that's not necessarily a community. A community isn't you directly interacting with your uh, followers or fans or whatever it is. A community, I believe, um, happens when not only that, but the next step, which is when they're interacting amongst themselves. I believe that's the test for a true community. And, and to be frank, I think, uh, you know, probably 99% and I'm probably uh, overestimating of quote unquote communities are not real communities, at least by that definition. Um, but uh, I think we were able to foster that community be, because um, there was an idea, right? An ideal that we were going for. It, this was not just like, hey, we're going to, um, uh, we're not just going to create a real estate investing forum or real estate in discuss, uh, investing discussion board. Um, we're going to create a real estate investing um, uh, discussion area that, that believes in something that buys into something that buys into this belief. And, and, you know, for us, it was always that belief that people need to be collaborative um, before in, especially in the early days of bigger pockets. I remember, you know, it was really hard to get people, to open up and say, you know what, it's in the common good. It's in the common interest that we all, um, just open up and, and share our quote unquote secrets. You know, I've got a secret and you've got a secret and, you know, well, you know, trying to foster that, um, was, was the biggest struggle for us. But once we open the door in that and, and op- expose this belief and the truth that if you, Jess and me are, you know, and I would say we're real estate investors in the same town and, you know, you talk to most people who who are not bigger pockets folks. They're gonna, you're going to say, "Well, that guy's my competitor, right?" Well, you know, I'm fighting against him and trying to get deals and whatever it is. In the world of bigger pockets, in the mentality of bigger pockets, sure you compete, but you guys are are actually colleagues and collaborators because you know, at the end of the day, the truth of the matter is: a, there are no secrets. There's no strategy or information that is everything that's been done has been done. Somebody's done it. We've just kind of opened the doors to, to those strategies and it's out there in the open on bigger pockets versus, you know, some guy selling it to you for $997 or a $25,000 boot camp. It's whatever it is, $50,000 boot camp. Um, two, you guys might be competing against this deal, but at some point you're going to be tapped out and you're not going to have enough money to do the business that you want to do. So you go and you find a deal and you're like, oh, this is a great deal. Well, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Well, if he's, if he's your competitor, you're going to throw that deal away versus if he's your collaborator, you're going to, you're going to get into bed with him, do the deal together. He's going to do the work. You'll get a piece of the pie and you both win. And, and so it's, it was creating and fostering that over years and years of just conversation. When you, yeah. When you say fostering that, is it you're observing some comment that's going on the forum and you're helping reach out, you're helping them, just encouraging them to be more open? Or what did that look like, that fostering? That's exactly what it is. It was, I mean, it was, 
I think first kind of getting a base group of individuals who bought into it, who believed in it. Um, I, I think, you know, seeing that it actually made sense and, and worked and, and then really just harping upon it and sharing it and putting that message out. Um, and again, little, little by little, people really bought into it. And it, it makes sense because it's true, right? Uh, you know, if it weren't true, you know, we, we'd have shut down many years ago because the community wouldn't have bought into that. And we'd be like any other site. There was all beyond that. I think just some of the other rules and how we actually ran the community, you know, the, uh, making it so that it's not a place that people can go sell and pitch, ma- making the community a, a place where you felt safe. There's no stupid questions. You know, just you can come on and, you know, say, hey, I don't quite understand how a, you know, a loan works on an investment property. People aren't going to be like, you're an idiot, get lost. You know, they'll say, hey, just, you know, Next time, you may want to go and look around. We've got all these things answered already, but here's here's exactly what you want to know. And there, it's not like, oh, well, I can help you with this loan, and I can help you with this loan. It's it's um, it's people coming in and helping because that's that's the tribe. That's what we believe in. You know, I, I'm fascinated in what you've built. Uh, I think that uh, we at Ideation Collective kind of want to follow some of the footsteps of what you guys have done. Just the combination of education and uh, the way you've gone about it. Um, specifically, you know, this is something we subscribe to, but I'm interested in your background about deciding to give all this away for free when venture capitalists tell you you should have shut your business down and everyone says you'll never make it. And your commitment to stick to, no, we're going to, yeah, I know this is valuable, but we're going to give it away for free. Can you talk sure. about that philosophy? And Yeah, I, I mean, that all stems from the, the root birth of Bigger Pockets, which was Josh screwing up in real estate, <laughs> needing help, and not wanting to turn to somebody who I believed was taking advantage of people financially. Yeah, if, if, if you look at, again, the model, the business model of the educators in the real estate investing space um, has traditionally been like, hey, there's a free course or a free boot camp or a free training or an article or whatever it is, and it's all tied to getting you into the funnel. And nothing wrong with funnels, right? I mean, that's Lots of businesses work, but, you know, I believe there's a lot of deception used in the industry. Um, and, and so, you know, hey, I'm going to go to this free course. We're going to teach you how to get started in real estate, but they don't really do that. They get you hyped up and you got to buy the next thing in order to get what you were hoping to get. And when you buy that, you only get 75% there. And so you got to buy the next thing. And at the end of the day, in order to get any of the info, you got to pay all this money. And I just, I hated that. I felt like it was dirty. Um, and, and so, um, you know, the reason that we don't charge for content, the reason that you can get any article we've ever written on the blog, any, you know, our discussion forums or an open book to the world, um, you know, all this stuff, our podcast is free and our videos are free and we've got a free, you know, introductory real estate course it's free. Content is free. The reason it's free is because I think, I believe if we were to start charging for it, we'd be violating uh, the basis by which we created the site, which is let's democratize information. Let's, let's, let's give that away. Let's help people be successful. And we'll, we'll monetize our users in other ways, whether it be through advertising or through tools or through helping them connect them with other people or businesses with with lead generation. But uh, at its core, let's give them the content uh, and the the information they need to be successful. And we'll worry about everything later. If we do that, if we solve that for them, they're going to become very loyal to us. And they have. You know, I'm such a fan of this, like generosity as a marketing program. You know, I feel like there's so many things out there where it's like, okay, how can we give the illusion of giving something away, but make sure to capture all the value we possibly can, right. where the duplication of the internet is like, it really doesn't hurt you financially to actually help someone. You're not, right. you're not like losing stock out of your stock room to actually help them. Right. And, yep. but what, and what kind of loyalty does that engender to actually help people instead of pretend to mostly help someone? Right. Yep, exactly. Longevity of that. Well, listen, I feel like you've you've harnessed a number of different magnets for big pockets. Uh, Another one on here, you know, your your tools tab on 
on uh, the website here, these different calculators. Can you talk about um, where, how this came about? Was it just a need that was out there? Was it an intentional uh, plan? How, how did you decide what tools you guys were going to take the time to to create and put on the site here? Sure. Um, and bigger pockets, a slight correction. Sorry, um, what did I say? <laughs> big pockets. I, ah, I, I, I sorry. Don't, uh, I don't know where that goes, but don't go there, guys. <laughs> Biggerpockets.com. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so on the tools, a lot of the, the cool thing about having an amazing actual community is they talk to you and they tell you what they like and they tell you what they want and they're not shy about it. And so, you know, when we do something stupid, they let us know very quickly. Um, when we do something they like, they let us know very quickly. Um, and and so uh, I, the the tools, you know, started with really calculators. I mean, we just, uh, it, it was natural, like, hey, we're looking for great ways to analyze deals, you know, where should we go? And and so, you know, that makes sense. We should probably have our own analysis tools on bigger pockets. Um, and the bonus is because um, monetizing a web platform through advertising is not the best of business models. It's not a terrible model, but it's a model that um, lots and lots of companies have found is not sustainable in its own right. And uh, I wanted to be more diversified. You know, that's also why we've got a publishing business. Um, it's it's why, you know, we've we've got various business models kind of built into the platform. Um, so the tools, um, we figured were a great way to help people out, help people solve whatever problems it is that they are having. Um, and monetize them without violating our, our kind of commitment to to not charging for content. Uh, we never said we're not going to charge for tools, but we're not going to charge for content. So, you know, uh, we've we've got this calculator suite that um, helps people analyze deals and and um, you know think through. Hey, I'm going to buy my first rental property. Well, you know, if you were to listen to the vast majority of folks out there. Um, uh, and unfortunately, the ma- vast majority of the population doesn't know how to analyze a, a, a basic rental property. They think, well, if I my my mortgage and my insurance are going to be my costs, and if I can generate more income through pay, uh, renters than that, then um, I'm profitable. That's the mentality that's causing thousands, tens of thousands, or hundreds of thousands of people to lose their shirt in real estate because they don't actually understand that there's a whole lot of other costs that go along with it. And and so these tools not only let them run numbers, but it also shows them like, what are the things that you're not really thinking about? You know, what are the other costs that are true costs that you're not um, considering? Um, and then we take them and we say, can we take them another step? And these tools also help you get organized because you say you go and you evaluate a deal. You can then create this very professional PDF report that you could then take to your lender and, and say, oh, okay, yeah, this is a great deal. And look how professional and organized I am. I've got this report. I've thought of all the numbers. You know, it, it makes getting a loan on a property considerably easier or partners or things like that. And so we, the way we think is what, what can we do to help our user base to be more successful with their businesses? What are the problems that they face, the challenges that they face um, and how can we solve them? So that's, but think, yeah. Think about what a competitive advantage that mindset is though, right? Like oh, yeah. anybody out there who's like, we've got the tech or we've got the technique or we've got the, we've got the widget that everybody wants. Sure. That, that inherently has a shelf life built into it. You know, I, I remember hearing about when Jeff Bezos was buying Zappos uh, for Amazon.com. He said that when he sees a customer-obsessed company, he gets weak in the knees, right? Yeah. <laughs> and obviously in that case to the tune of like $1.2 billion or whatever. Yep. But um, like if you've taken a tour at Zappos in Vegas or whatever, like it really is baked into the DNA there. It's not... It's not just stuff the marketing department is wallpapering what they're already doing. Like it's right. like it's inherently the, the mindset of the people in the office. Um, you know, another question I have is obviously we're on a podcast today. I'm interested in podcasts. For me, it was just an outgrowth of I'm an audiobook junkie. And when I'd run out of audiobooks uh, before I could get my next one, I'd just flip over to podcasts in the meantime while I'm yep. commuting or flying or whatever. But um, 
you guys have very successful podcasts. What was that evolution? How did you decide that was going to be a medium you were going to invest in? I think like everything else, it was totally organic. It was, we are, um, what today, I mean, we're, lean startup is kind of the term everybody uses, right? You're, you're going to kind of iterate and ideate. And um, we've always, even before I knew what that term was, it's, it's always been that. And, and that included just being willing to try stuff. And, and so, you know, I always believe that for us to grow our business, we needed to um, be a brand. We needed to be brand obsessed. And, and so that meant things like not working with companies that we didn't believe in, not getting into bed with, with companies or partnering with businesses that, you know, that we didn't a thousand percent believe in. And, and, and so... Like, like um, what's an example of that? Somebody... You know, some kind uh, of predatory yeah. lender or something. Oh, okay, uh, not even predatory. I mean, you know, it was, I don't know, company X Y Z. Um, you know, we just they've got a cool product, but maybe we don't like how their their customer uh, support approach is, and so we're not gonna we're not gonna get in bed with them. Uh, it's just you know, we we want to look at the full picture and and not just say, can we make money on this? Because we will forego partnerships and business um, dealings for um, uh, serving our customers and making customers and making sure that we're, we're working with the right companies because, you know, at the end of the day, you are who you're in bed with. And, and so if we're partnered with, you know, some company that does something bad, it makes us look bad. Uh, so that's, um, that's that part. I honestly, I, I, I lost my line of thinking. Oh, on, sorry. On the yeah, question. sorry. No, we're just talking okay. about podcasts and why you chose oh, podcast. podcasting yeah. and how it evolved. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the, the book business started the same way. It was like, hey, you know, it, for us to build our brand, another way to kind of get out there and market would be uh, to do a podcast. I mean, podcasts weren't really hot at the time. They were just just then started. You know, I mean, there were plenty of podcasts around, but it wasn't like this re- really sexy thing yet. Um, how, how long but, ago? How long ago are we talking? Three and a half years. Okay. Um, you know, certainly we were not the early, early mover on this thing, but like, yeah, let's try this. You know, it'd be cool to talk about real estate. It'd give us another medium to get out there, uh, another marketplace to be in iTunes and wherever else people consume podcasts. So if we're going to build a brand, we want to be in various marketplaces. It's, this is just a way to do it. And, and so, um, we just, I I don't know. I think we just kind of struggled on how to all the technical side. Uh, there weren't a ton of great tutorials back then, um, but there there are now. Uh, uh, my my friend Steve Chu wrote one on my wife quit her job. I think Pat Flynn's got one on smart passive income on just how to get a podcast going. But um, we just you know we did our first show and we didn't know what we were doing. We're like, let's see if people <laughs> care, and and so we put it up on iTunes and then promoted it to our community and sent it to our through our newsletter to our subscribers. And uh, not a ton of people cared, but enough. And and we put out the next one and we committed. We said, you know, we're going to stick this out. Uh, I don't know what the number was, but you know, we'll do thirty, forty shows and commit to this and see on a weekly basis and see if we can actually build this into something. You know, we weren't going to sell advertising. We weren't going to make money off it. It was going to be purely let's get this content the heck out and see if people uh, like it, if they get excited about it. And, man, they love it. They love it. You know, our, our, uh, we've got a great rapport, Brandon and I, my co-host. Um, we, um, yeah, and for everybody who doesn't know, we talk a little bit about the format, what you guys do on your show. Sure. So Bigger Pockets Podcast, the Bigger Pockets Podcast. It's it's myself and Brandon Turner uh, as my first non-technical guy hire here. And we uh we interview real estate investors. We interview people who are um whether it's somebody who just did their first deal, like, hey, I just bought my first rental property, um, to somebody who has done thousands of deals. Uh, we always want to make it make a show where we believe uh, anybody from beginner to advance can get something from it, can learn something. And we want to be entertaining. You know, you, it's, uh, there's so many options out there uh, for where people consume stuff. Uh, you know, you, I'm competing against radio shows. I'm con- competing against Sirius and XM and every other podcast and, you know, anything on TV and whatever else it is. So how do I get people excited about 
listening to us. And, and so it can't just be boring interviews. There's got to be some form of entertainment. So, you know, we bring that to the picture and we just we dig in and we ask the questions that we think people would be asking. You know, if you if I was a six year old and I was like, but why, but why, but why, <laughs> you know, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to just, you know, not with that obnoxious flavor, but um, I'm going to dig in and, and ask those questions. And, and if somebody can walk away saying, wow, I learned something from that show and those guys are stupid or they're funny or, oh man, or they suck. I hate them. They're going to still come back and listen. And, and so, um, uh, that's kind of what we've done. And, and, you know, the, the show can run, I don't know, some of our longer shows are almost two hours long and some of our shorter shows are about 45 to an hour. You know, a lot of people stick to this half hour format that, you know, Hey, the average commute is X, Y, Z. And, we're going to make a show that fits exactly within that commute. We we don't buy into that. We're, we're just going to, we're going yeah. to do the show that we want to do. <laughs> us either. We're basically double. You got to listen to us on the way to work and on the way home to get through. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So um, I want to talk about your blogs and your social and some of that strategy along with the sure. forum, as well as the publishing business. But, um, you know, it wasn't all puppies and roses. Talk, talk to us about uh, some of the low points here. Uh, this is, this is one. I'm kidding. <laughs> Am I really doing that show? No, right? I'm Seriously, kidding. How did I, how did I stoop to this level? They wrote me into this thing. No, I, so, you know, as I, as I mentioned in the beginning, the business really started as a hobby site. It was just me trying to get answers to questions. And, and so that morphed, I was teaching special ed at the time. You know, I was working with kids and, and, uh, doing this on uh, nights and weekends, uh, l- little by little, you know, I decided to, to quit my job and my wife was still working and doing well. And so, you know, we had a little bit of wiggle room for me to kind of, uh, find a way to take this hobby and make it, make a couple bucks off it, which, which we did. And it became again, this lifestyle business. Um, but you know, the, the downs were, well, the early days were, were particularly tough because, you know, nobody believed in you. Nobody believed in the idea. I mean, I, and my mom is wholly supportive, but you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You're, you know, you need a job. You can't just go and do this. <laughs> Your friends give you a crap because they just walked down the street and found a penny and they're going to mail it to you because that maybe will help you pay your bills. Um, you know, everybody's goofing on it and not taking you serious. That That's a challenge. Um, I think my my biggest lows really came um, when I was burning out. There were lots of burnout points because I was one guy. It was me doing sales, doing marketing, doing business development, doing PR, doing you know thirty jobs, and and I had no support. I had nobody to talk to. I had nobody to you know. I didn't have a board. Yeah, how did you deal with that? What was your strategy for getting through it? Why didn't you quit? Because uh, a lot of people told me I should quit, and so my strategy was big fat f you. I'm not going <laughs> to let you tell me when the time is to quit. I'm not going to, you know, uh, I I don't like, you know, I've never been a very good loser, um, and and so it's always been, you know, never a sore loser, but you know, I'm the guy who. You know, I was never the best at any sport growing up, but I was the guy who was giving a 250 percent on the court or on the field every single time. And so you don't really know that I wasn't good because I was always putting in the effort. And and so, you know, I've always believed in hustle and just working your butt off and, and, you know, not, not just working hard, but thinking smart and, and outsmarting and just finding ways to do things. And I don't know, the downs always came when I realized that I was just working too hard and not getting what I wanted and, and not accomplishing what I wanted to accomplish as fast as I did. And I, the, the final one was the biggest low was really, you know, we were on year eight, seven, seven or so, you know, I've been literally for seven years running this lifestyle business with no support other than, you know, I mean, some very talented, uh, 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 freelance developers. Uh, but I was doing everything else and, 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 I got to this point where, you know, I've got a family, I've got kids and I'm working 80 to a hundred hours a week, every week, not taking vacations, not taking days off. And, you know, at a point you, you start to burn out and melt down. And, you know, I 
talk to my wife and I'm in tears and I'm just, you know, I can't do this anymore. This is not working. I, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. You know, I'm a smart guy, but I think I'm stuck. And and so, you know, a lot of people would have just hung up their boots and I said, well, we're stuck. What? There's, there's got to be some other way to solve this. And, and so I went out and I found a consultant to come in and look at the business and look at what we were doing and help me get unstuck. And, and what that meant was looking uh, at the business from a, a you know, 10,000 foot view versus looking from within the business because I was so stuck in it. Um, so working on the business versus working in the business. And I think so many entrepreneurs get, get stuck in the same place. You know, they, they're doing the day-to-day and the day-to-day catches up and the emails are, you know, and you're reactive to everything versus being proactive and, and creating a direction and planning and plotting. And so that was, that was the biggest low, but it was probably the biggest transition point and, uh, and, and probably the biggest thing that's led to the success of where we are today was that realization that, you know, if I stop, you know, being so mired down in the minutia of the business and, and work more on building something out and, and being strategic and, and trusting people to um, uh, use their own talents to help us be successful. Um, that was it. And we've just been growing like crazy since then. And, and so the biggest low really turned to become uh, the biggest uh, tipping point for the business. You know, that's such a great story. It makes me think of a few different books. It makes me think we, we just had a guy on the show, Ismail Rickson. He's the CEO of a M&A shop out in Boston called FE International. They've sold like 400 e-commerce businesses in the last six years. And uh, nice. they're helping. We're actually going to have a free class. Ideation will have a free class for business owners of, you know, how to look at your business and build the kind of thing that doesn't need you to be there personally to make money. Um, it increases the multiple if you ever wanted to sell the thing. Plus, it gives you a better quality of life if you decide to keep it, right? Sure. But as you're talking, I'm just thinking like the, those Michael Gerber books, the E-Myth books about like, are you the technician, the manager, and the entrepreneur? You know? And yeah. Not, or like, um, do you know this uh, 80-20 marketing by Perry Marshall? Came out a little I'm familiar. Ago. I haven't read it. I'm familiar with it, though. I, I'm on my second or third time going through it because I feel like I find myself doing a lot of like the $10 an hour jobs instead yep. of like really thinking hard. You talked about thinking hard and like thinking hard. Okay, what is the thing I do rarely but ends up being a $10,000 an hour hour? hour? And yep. how can I like get a vir- virtual assistant or interns or something and get rid of some of this $10 hour work so I can make enough room to get a second one of those $10,000 yep. hours in sooner, right? And uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. That, you know, ap- applying the hustle in the right place, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you're, I know you're going to ask me about books and things. One of my books is the one thing we actually give it to everybody we hire at Bigger Pockets um, by uh, Jay Papazon and Gary Keller. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about that. It's, you know, what is the one thing that if you can do now would make everything else that you have to do kind of irrelevant, right, or less important. And so solving that and then kind of going from there. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, it's so important and, and you know, unfortunately, so many people just never get there in their business. And, you know, for anybody listening, I mean, that's what I'd say is go get that book or, you know, any of these books and, and, and read it and just think about this because there's, you're, you, it's so easy again to get mired in, in the details uh, versus, you know, focusing your time and energy on the things that matter. Yeah. We had this guy on the show, um, I think it was last last week, Monday's episode, uh, Gary Peterson. Amazing show. Guy's like a hero of mine. But he talked about for so many executives and so many business owners, he feels like the to-dos list really is a could-dos list. Mm-hmm. But because we've written it all, they all seem like a similar priority. It seems yeah. like there's all these ringing phones. And like systematically, we don't inherently separate like these vital things from I, I could do that too. And... I don't know about you, but I feel like I eat the, trying to eat the whole elephant at once and end up doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's even today, I mean, I find myself there, but you know, the, the fun part, you know, a lot of people always ask me like, well, you know, where are you going? What's your plan? And you know, I want to continue to build a business. That's the fun for me is not, not just obviously 
doing, accomplishing what the business accomplishes, which is, you know, I mean, who else gets to say that they've helped people quit their job and work the life that they want to work? You know, people help people retire, help people become millionaires. I mean, like, you know, that's amazing. But um, beyond that, you know, we, we um, you know, we're, we're just, man, we're, we're building something so cool and it's so much, it's so much fun. Um, uh, but I, I want to continue to, um, I want to continue to grow the business and learn and, 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 um, figure, figure it out because, you know, anybody who's doing that, we're, we're all just figuring it out. There's no rule book. I mean, Facebook is figuring out how to be Facebook. Google's figuring out how to be Google. You know, there's no, there's not really a handbook of, of success unless you're doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. And, and, you know, if you're doing the same thing everyone else is doing, um, by definition, you're not doing anything really special. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's you, know you gotta learn. It's interesting how there's like, there's not a recipe, but there are principles that will increase your probabilities, right? It's like, yep. you can't necessarily do this and this in this order per se, but whatever you do, make sure that it has like, I feel like the principle you just brought up was um, one of these guys I really look up to, Derek Sivers, built CD Baby, and mm-hmm. has some great TED Talks. He talks about kind of like leaving the self-focus out of things and being more worried about being of value to others, like being of service to them. He says, like, yep. value to you is a natural byproduct of being of service to others. So yep. if you hyper-focus on that service to others, you actually don't have to worry about yourself. So stop worrying about yourself and start worrying about them. I feel is like you like- kind of live that. Yeah, it's the uh, what was it, Robert Redford? If if you build it, they will come, right? Field of Dreams. <laughs> uh, you know, it is this thing of like, again, back to what we were talking about earlier of being actually useful, right? Um, yeah. Well, listen, talking about a couple of the other things that you do, um, being a big book nerd myself, I'm really interested in your publishing business and how long you've been actively publishing and and what you know what you feel like some of the lessons you've learned have been. Sure. So we we launched the publishing business about three years ago, a little over three years ago, I believe. Um, the it was kind of one of those. It was like the podcast. It was like, oh, you know, it'd be cool to have our own books. You know, um, so how how could we do that? Well, you know, for our first book, we had a guy, a member of the community, also an exceptionally successful bigger pocket success story. Um, and he was a, he was a flipper. Uh, and, and so, uh, we had talked and he's, you know, he had said he was thinking about it and I don't remember the details, but we're like, you know what, why don't we try and publish this book? We've got a platform with, with an audience and, and, you know, we can market it and, you know, let's, let's give this a go. And he bought into it. He bought into the pitch and, and that thus was born the book on flipping houses and its companion, the book on estimating rehab costs. And, and so, um, yeah, we wrote it, we found an editor and they, they came and edited it and, and, you know, designed a cover and figured out all the details on how to do that. And, you know, how do we publish it? Well, do we need an agent, a publisher? What do we do? And we decided we'd go the, the self-publishing route and use create space, um, for fulfillment and, and built a little backend store on our side. And, um, the rest was really history. I mean, you know, we had no idea that it would go as well as it did, but, uh, you know, uh, from there we we launched our, our third book, uh, invest the book on investing in real estate with no and low money down, followed by the book on uh, rental property investing, the book on managing rental properties. We've got a books on tax taxes. Um, collectively, in three years, we've sold somewhere on the order of I believe eighty eighty ninety thousand books between physical books, ebooks, audiobooks through Audible, things like that. Uh, you know, the average business book sells. Uh, I believe the number is somewhere around 4,000 copies in its entire lifetime. And uh, uh, we, we yeah, are... Yeah, it's a record are, to be proud of there. We are crushing that that number. And, and you know, we're now transitioning that business uh, from, uh, you know, we're, we're looking to kind of move into a, um, not just our direct sales channel, but, you know, we also want to start getting in stores and libraries and things like that, which is going to kind of require us to make some infrastructural changes but it's great. The books are phenomenal. Our theory is let's write the best books on the topics, period. Um, I believe that each of our books has actually done that. And, um, you know, let's make them accessible and reasonable. And, and um, 
you know, if people want it, they can buy it. If they don't, they can get all the same information on the site for free. Uh, so, you know, do with it what you will. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've got top, you know, top real estate books on Amazon as a result, you know, sometimes we have seven or eight of the top 20 books on Amazon, uh, in the real estate category, you know, five to eight, give or take is usually kind of what we have on the charts there. And, uh, again, we're selling thousands and thousands and thousands of copies, uh, uh of these books, uh, at and a month. Then, and it's, it's awesome. There are so many real estate books out there. Why do you think yours are at the level you're at? What is it? Is it the, the format of just straightforward usefulness? Is it what, what's special about your books? There's so many real estate books. All the above. I think it's straightforward usefulness. We're not preachy. You know, our, our philosophy is, I, I think a lot of the folks who are the quote teachers, I use quotes, by the way, um, uh, in the real estate space have agendas, um, which uh, look, we have an agenda too. So I'm not going to insult somebody having an agenda, but, um, but you know, our goal is there's not any one way to be successful in real estate. You know, there, there's a different path for every person. There's no one guy who can tell you how to do it and how to be successful. You know, uh, if I ever caught myself doing that, I'd kick myself in the pants. I mean, it, it's, there is no one path. There is no one direction uh, because, you know, you might be a guy who's got X amount in the bank, who's 35, who's married and, you know, is more risk averse than another 35 year old guy who's got slightly less in the bank, who's slightly less risk averse, and he's going to take a different path and that's going to work for him. So, you know, I think the books, they're, they're meant as guides, as stories and, 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 you know, information on, on there's, it's not a how to manual per se. It's more of a, um, a guide that, that, that you can kind of, uh, use to, to help you out. And, and, um, I don't know. I mean, we build trust. Our authors are people that people know in our community and trust. Our brand is one that people now, you know, uh, trust. And, and, and um, you know, if you look at the reviews on the books, people think the content is top notch. So if, if we're doing that, then we're going to win and people are going to come out and buy the books that we're selling. And uh, that's what's happening. So, yeah. you know, obviously I, there's always room for improvement and, you know, we're exceptionally critical and, you know, I, I, I can go back, we can go back through all of our books and say, Oh man, we could have made them so much better. And, you know, we're, we are <laughs> Put it in the next one, that. huh? Yeah. Next version, next book, whatever it is, you know, I mean, and that's what we do in our business. We're always thinking about how we can do a better job, how we can improve what we've got, uh, that is going to get people going excited, get them excited and get them motivated. Um, so we, we intend to put out books at some point from Ideation Collective. Any advice for us if we decide to go the, the uh, Create Think Space? That, if create, we, sorry. Create Space? Create Space way on the self-publishing. Uh, any rookie mistakes um, you see made or anything? I don't know that there's too many. I mean, it's, Create Space is probably not the best. Uh, it's really more designed for you to go and print 20 copies and kind of give them to your friends. Um, it's less... Uh, it's not great when you do a, a launch and you sell, you know, 5,000 books in, in two weeks and, uh, you're what, what's better to, for that. Yeah. What's better for that kind of, route? uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> we're, <laughs> okay. we're, 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 we're looking to transition our company. We're, we're exploring a, a company called Ingram spark. It's kind of a, a, a fulfillment. They, they, they offer lots of services and, and a lot of the major publishers use them and, um, you know, there's, we're, we're not actually shifted over, but, but we're looking at, at them and some other companies, uh, at, at this point. Um, uh, it's, I, I think every, every business is different and everyone has kind of, um, their own issues and problems with whatever it is that they're doing. So I, you know, I don't know, I can't give you a really an instruction <laughs> manual yeah. other than writing a kick-ass book and, and, um, making sure it's something that your community or, or at least your target market is looking for. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, so many people come up with great ideas and um, the ideas are great until they bring them to market and the market says, yeah, the idea is pretty good, but it's not something that we, we need maybe today or tomorrow. Uh, maybe in three years it makes sense, uh, but maybe not today. And, and um, so, yeah, make sure it serves a purpose, make sure there's people who actually care about what it is that you're trying to create 
And I think you could apply that to books or business or anything else. Sure. Uh, shifting gears here for just a minute, a um, couple of questions we like to ask all the different guests. One of them is, who is there anybody that stands out as like setting a really great example for you early in your life or early in your career for how to treat others? And sure, uh, I mean, I'm I'm definitively going to point to my parents on that. Um, uh, parents, grandparents, things like that. I mean, they my my family was always uh, business owners grandparents were business owners great grandparents parents uh, and and so you know i i think watching them and seeing how hard they worked um set a very good example of not, nothing's going to just come to me you know in order to get what you want you, you have to kind of work hard um i think that was that was huge um just seeing that example um, you know, I, it always aggravates me the whole quote unquote millennial vibe of, you know, I deserve it or, you know, um, I mean, that's pretty much what it is. This entitlement, you know, society that not, not only is our millennials, but everybody, a lot of people these days. And I, you know, I, I think it's a crock and I, I it just aggravates the heck out of me. You know, anything I've ever seen anybody, uh, you know, listen, in, in my life, I've seen a few people who've gotten where they are because they've been lucky, but that's, that's just so few and far between, you know, anybody else who's doing something great has worked their butt off to get there. And, and, um, you know, the, the quote overnight successes, uh, you know, have spent years, uh, getting to become overnight successes in, in fields of many, many kind. And so, yeah, parents, um, grandparents, my mom, you know, was amazing, worked her butt off, uh, grandparents, dad. I mean, all these people in my life just were always hard workers and, um, inspired me to, to do the same. And, and I think that's also been the cause of the never quit. You know, if, if, if you work hard and, uh, you know, you don't want to just work hard blindly, but if you work hard with a plan and an idea that, you know, based on uh, some solid principles can have some legs. Yeah. Then, then you're bound to go somewhere and listen to uh, at some point, you know, there's the crap or get off the pot type of moment. And, and, you know, if you're just spinning your wheels, not making any progress, it may not be a bad idea, but it may be bad timing. I mean, there's so many things that can come in. So, you, you know, you, you go until you can't go any, any more and, and, you know, make sure you're, you're able to look from 10,000 feet. And if you can't find people who can help you do that, or at least who can do it for you. Um, but I, I, I think, Again, my family has really been uh, the folks that have inspired me. That's great. Uh, another question we like to ask people is with our charity, Child Rescue, trying to prevent child sex trafficking or help the kids that are in it escape, working with law enforcement, any advice for attracting more people to that cause that you give us? Oh, man, that's a real tough one, man. Um, you know, that is easily one of the worst things that anyone on this planet can do, Um uh, you know, frankly, I, I probably, uh, err on the side of, uh, public executions, uh, for, for people who would do something like that. I mean, it, it, there's literally nothing worse that you could do than mess with a child and, and that kind of thing. I, I, I got three kids. So, um, yeah, scary, uh, scary topic. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just gotta be in part of our, lexicon. I, I, you know, I, we watch SVU, my, my wife and I, and, and, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those episodes kind of go there. And, and I, I don't know, I, I think educating kids, I mean, I think having that as part of the, um, uh, schools should be, should be constantly working on that. I, I, I'm, you, you want more of what can you guys actually do specifically from a marketing perspective? No, I we, mean, I, we actually, this is actually one of the more fun questions because I get such different answers from different people. Sure, sure, so sure. I, I'm just like, I'm interested in what, you know, because you have a business brain, because you have a marketing brain, because you have yeah, a yeah. organizational perspective on the world, I'm actually just interested in like, what's the obvious answer to you that I might be missing? That's why I kind of like this question. I think you create a America's most wanted poster of sex traffickers who've been caught and, and, you know, who've been castrated and, um, 
put them all over in every post office. This guy had his balls chopped off for touching a little kid. And if you touch a kid, we're going to chop your balls off too. Oh, wow. You know, if only, right. (laughs) I, uh, I did meet with a certain, uh, uh, very public (laughs) individual once. I probably shouldn't say his name on air who, who was talking about some $1 problem solvers. And, uh, Oh yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's it's such a tough situation. It's it's complex, right? There's a lot of anger, um, and uh, there's systemic issues where it gets it gets ignored or gets seen as willing participation, or you know these these other kind of things. But I think I really identify with your point about um, talking to kids, having it be the public consciousness kind yeah. of thing. Um, and, and, you know, you, you joke about the America's most wanted thing, but there is something to I wasn't getting, the, about that <laughs> getting the media involved and, oh, yeah. and having it be something that there's some repetition where it, it leaks into the public dialogue that people are having friend to friend. And we're actually in talks with one of the larger media companies right now about, uh, about one of those type of projects. So hopefully we'll be able to, uh, announce that that is something that comes t- to fruition. So I don't know how old you are. I grew up with uh, the NBC, the more, you know, campaign, which, um, was, you know, uh, every, every Saturday you're watching cartoons and they always had these PSAs. Actually it was, it was on during the week too, but you know, these, these PSAs, uh, you know, the, the, these corporations, uh, uh, get to broadcast on the public airwaves and, you know, granted now there's these major corporations that are, have taken over the public airwaves, but, <laughs> I I really believe there need to be way more PSAs out there, and and I think this is something that should, without a doubt, be one of the primary uses of public airtime is educating people about just in general this as a problem. And above and beyond that, I think you can go creative and make examples of these pricks who who actually do it, and let everybody know that you know you even think about this. We're going to hunt you down. We're going to you know, embarrass you, your family, we're going to lock you away. And, you know, maybe one day we'll actually change and actually start castrating these pricks because this is, uh, yeah, that's one Josh, of the worst Josh, things what on the about planet, justice? Man. We're going to need some justice too. It can't all yeah, be compassion here. Having it can't be all compassion. Uh, nuts chopped off. There's <laughs> justice right there. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> this is one of the more, How do I really feel? This is, yeah, don't sugarcoat it, Josh. Don't hold, quit holding back. Just tell us how you feel. <laughs> okay. Um, well, well, I like your passion. I like your passion. Okay. There you go. Um, so, you know, uh, one of the other things I thought was fun when you and I were talking beforehand was your interest in staying bootstrapped and intentionally like this isn't a bootstrapped by accident thing. Like you're, you're not out there begging for VC money and not getting it. Like you're, from what I understand, you're happy to be bootstrapped organization and, and kind of proud of it. Um, t- tell me a bit more about that philosophy or why you feel that way. You know, I, trust me, I've I've perseverated many, many, many times over. Oh, should we raise money? Should we not? What do I do? It'd be, we could move so much faster if we raise money and get out there more and more quickly, and you know all the things that you kind of go through. Um, the uh, you and I were were chatting a little bit beforehand about you know the media, uh, particularly in the kind of startup space and technology, is you know the hype that comes out from the media is all about uh, those companies that have gone and raised around. It's like, Hey, you just borrowed a million dollars or 5 million or cool. Good for you. Like that's, those are the guys who are getting the hype and, and, you know, look, kudos to them. I think that's awesome. The, the challenge is that there's, there's no excitement behind those people who are kicking butt building amazing businesses. So, you know, first step, I, I really believe that the media needs to, to shift a little bit and think about those companies that are actually operating and, and doing things well versus hyping up those companies that are just like, hey, they just got money because they're friends with so-and-so or because, you know, of an they're idea. They're promising to do well at some point in the future. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, the uh, over the years, as I've talked to other entrepreneurs, bootstrapped and not the common theme that I've come across is when you go and take money from a VC or an angel, you no longer have the sole authority to make decisions in the direction in which you're going to run your business. Um, you now have somebody, you know, even if they've got your back and are behind you, um, 
they're behind you until they're not. The one thing that they're behind is their money. That's what matters to them. You know, watch the Shark Tank. You'll hear them say that over and again. Um, talk to companies, CEOs who've lost their jobs from their own companies. This this happens over and again. And, and not that I'm worried that if I took money, I'd get fired because uh, I would never take money under conditions where that would be possible. <laughs> but um, I don't want somebody over my shoulder telling me how to run my business. And, and the challenge, and you know, as somebody who was formerly in the business, you can agree or disagree with this, obviously, is let's say I went and I took money today. And I wanted to go in, in a certain direction. And let's say that direction was not generating revenue as fast as the person who gave me money or entity that gave me money wanted me to generate money. They're going to come in and influence the direction we're going such that our business would generate money at a rate at which they get the return that they were hoping to get. That may not be in line with where you want to build your business. That may not be in line with where you want to go. Uh, again, my favorite, one of my favorite shows is Silicon Valley. Uh, if, if you're a fan of the show, the, the Pied Piper guys <laughs> have experienced, experienced just that recently on the season. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, you don't, I don't ever want anybody dictating to me the direction that bigger pockets should go be, because, you know, again, their motivator is always going to be the dollar versus, um, at least in my mind, the cause. And, and I believe if, if, the cause is one that is number one, and we're serving our users. The dollar will follow, and and that's proven true. It's proven true. So, you know, listen. Yeah. At some point, maybe we'll raise money. I, I I'm not looking to do it today. We're profitable, but you know, maybe some we need it for an acquisition or we need it for something else. But if that's ever going to happen, it's going to be on the terms where you know we're we're deciding where we're going and and what we're doing. I. I and I get it. Listen, I get that people need money. They've got to start somewhere. And and listen, a lot of VCs bring a hell of a lot of knowledge and are absolutely worth every penny and every percent that you give away. Uh, but for us, I you know I got us so far. Um, uh, you know, I I just I don't personally think that it's worth the price of admission to have somebody uh, potentially altering the course of of our business. Yeah, you know, I think you're kind of asking my thoughts on that too, like uh, from my experience having raised money and things like this. And I think for me, uh, I think some of the things we share is this idea of of direction and cause. You know, like I've been in char- I've been involved in some businesses that I was it was a it was a financial transaction. The building of the organization was to get rid of the organization, right? Yeah. And something like for instance this this company is like my baby like i love it you know this is like indulging in my audiobook junkiness right uh, it's like a learning thing i i want to be able to play with it and so not having partners and not having investors is really important for me to have something like this that i plan to do for a long time and i plan on being able to to have it show up in different versions and and change over time and adapt to serve people and i didn't want to have to convince partners or investors, why this was going to be of more service, right? Yep. yep. Um, and I think, you know, it re- for me, it goes back to knowing what kind of organization you're building, right? Is, sure. this, is this a transaction you're just trying to get the horsepower as big as you can, as fast as you can to right. get rid of it? Is this, a, is this a legacy? Like, is this what you want to do for fun? Or is this what you're doing so that you can get rid of it and get the money? You know, like, these are important questions. And I think, kind of like we were talking earlier, my big thing is, there's absolutely a place for for getting that extra horsepower to do something. Oh, for sure. But the mistake so often for me, I feel like, is um, any of the attitude of that raising the money was somehow a finish line, right? Like yep. this is you now have the raw materials to attempt to do something. Correct. Stop confusing it with the finish line. You just right. got gas in the tank. You didn't cross the finish line yet, right? Right, right, right. And um, where that, you know, I feel like you setting the example on you know, build, building a staff and actually being a profitable organization is something that, I don't know, I look at Warren Buffett and I think, man, could I ever build the kind of business he would want to buy? Well, he wants to buy the kind of businesses that are profitable. Like that is right. very clear if you read anything he, he says or writes or whatever, right? Yep. And, um, and I'm not sure that everyone uh, is really thinking in those terms when they're taking money uh, yep. or deciding how to raise or when to raise. Um, Agreed. 
Well, you've spent a lot of time with us here. I think last thing I'd like to end on is is just talking about um, what advice you'd have for the rest of us that would like to get unique monthly visitors closer to the 1.3 million than we are today. Sure. Hustle. <laughs> Didn't we talk about this for an hour? No, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, it, it really is that. I mean, it, it's... You, uh, there's no one answer. So, I mean, it really would need to be on a, on a case by case, but uh, to get there, I had to think outside the box. I had to, I had to come up with, you know, I had to look at what people were doing in other verticals and other markets and adapt it and tweak it and change it so that it worked for us. Um, you know, at our root, we are, we are really, really good at producing excellent content. Um, we are really, really good at running an amazing community. So, those two things in themselves, um, if you do well, will likely result in, in organic traffic. Uh, so I would say, see what you like, see what makes sense for you, for your business. Um, you know, is it writing a blog? Is it creating a podcast? Is it putting together an original newsletter? Um, is it, you know, just focusing on social media? What is it? Um, and then study it. There's, there's thousands of, you know, sites to help you with that stuff. There's very few amazing sites to help you with that stuff, but find them, figure, you know, study from people who are successful, listen to podcasts, read the blogs, learn, learn, learn. I mean, that's one of the big things that we kind of tell our staff is, you know, you should be spending, you know, a, a certain amount of time and learning period, you know, whether it's my developers should always be learning. My content guys should, you know, all of us should constantly be learning. We're, we're never, even though I'd say we are certainly at the very top in class of in, in so many fields and categories, you know, I would never say, Hey, we're the NLBL expert by no means. Like we're always trying to get better. We're always learning. We're always experimenting. We're always trying things. Um, and so I'd say that's what you got to do because what works for, you know, company X isn't necessarily going to work for you. So you got to just be willing to try, try something. And and that's the key. Also, we tell, we we really emphasize that in uh, to to our listeners and and the investors and in our community. A lot of a lot of people get stuck with this paralysis by analysis. You know, what should I do? What should I do? You know what? Doing something is better than doing nothing. So try something. Give it a shot, and be willing to fail. Be willing to give it a go and and be unsuccessful because you'll never get successful if you don't try. Love it. I think that's a perfect place to stop. Awesome. Um, again, appreciate you sharing your insights and making time for us today. Hey, it's been fun, Jess. Thanks so much. And that's the show. Thanks for listening today. Again, if you're interested in the bonus materials that we will be producing, make sure to come to our website and join the Ideation Collective while it's still free. The website, iCollective.co slash free. Again, iCollective.co slash free. And as always, if you want to learn more about getting involved in helping the team rescue kids from traffickers, please visit iCollective.co slash child rescue. At Farmers Insurance, we have concrete evidence that parking under an industrial cement mixer, that's just asking for trouble. Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state.